From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Thursday, July 26th, 2018. The week after the Open Championship. In fact, we're doing this podcast so late, we can actually give a leaderboard at the RBC Canadian Open. Sean Davison, who joins us as always to recap big events. Uh, Robert Garrigus going low, 63, as a one-shot lead over Adam Shank. And two over Chris Stroud. There's three names you did not hear last uh, uh, week at Carnoustie. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> and, you know, we're at that part of the season where we've got one major left, and it, it's a condensed schedule. We're going to be at the at the PGA in the blink of an eye. But in these last few weeks, it, it's frantic. And you'll see guys who back against the wall, if they don't get this done now, they're going to have to go to the web.com finals. Yep. Uh, and there's Robert Garrigus, Ben Crane tied for fourth. Uh, you got Ricky Barnes down there tied for eighth. Uh, Rod Pampling, who won a couple of years ago. I mean, it, it's, it's make it or break it time for a lot of these guys. And you want to be in that FedEx Cup playoff bracket so that you can at the very least secure your tour card. And this is that part of the year where... You see guys that, you know, Bronson Burgoon, once again, up high on the leaderboard. He's going to win. He he will win. He is trending in this direction. I texted that to somebody today. Bronson Burgoon is going to win this fall or this year. And, and I honestly think Sam Burns, Bronson Burgoon, uh, uh, sorry, Joel Damon, these random guys that have gotten paired with Tiger this year, I think this helped them. I think if they thought, hey, I can survive Tiger Mania, I can survive the RBC Canadian Open or the or the John Deere or whatever else. Yeah, absolutely. It's the circus out there. I've been in the middle of that. Yeah. Time. I mean, if they can if they can handle themselves, and every single one of them has played respectably well. Yes, there's been no implosions, I don't believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they've handled themselves well. I think Sam Burns actually got around the course and shot a lower score than he did. Honda. He did. He beat Tiger by two, I believe. Hey, I mean, these guys, I've been high on Sam Burns for a while. Right. The second mentioned his name um, immediately, light bolts and everything just went off in my head. But, yeah, these are guys that are really looking pretty good. Um, but, again, you know, when you start playing in, you know, the – Barbasols and whatnot. Of course, those are only worth so many FedEx Cup points. We'll see it again with the Reno tournament. Um, but again, good high finishes, you keep accumulating those points, and we're seeing some of those guys who really have to, to go for it. Funny story on Garrigus. I remember back when the PGA Tour played at Disney. Yes. And he, uh, for two, three years in a row, I swear, you could count on Heath Slocum, Robert Garrigus, Tag riding, Robert Gamas, and like a couple of others would just frequent those last two groups on the weekend. And every single year, you would see people just pick up their jaws looking at that short putter that Garrigus would <laughs> would use. I think it was somewhere like twenty eight inches. It was like a mini golf putter. I mean, it was ridiculous. And you know, he had the uh, he struggled. Where was it? Was it Memphis that he had a big lead coming down eighteen and tripled it? Um, but, I mean, he's had an up-and-down kind of career. So, in a weird way, to see him 9-under on top of the leaderboard at the Canadian Open and needing to put together some good weeks to, to secure his status for next year, not entirely shocking. 
No, and um, to your point, FedEx Cup rankings entering for the top of this leaderboard. 131, 153, 162, 140, 40, which is Ian Poulter. 171, 82, 185, 59, which is Andrew Putnam, who is desperately trying to get, it, get, get, get to the top 30 because of all the perks that come with that. 257, which is Chris Kirk. 42, which is Gary Woodland. And then 102, which is Bronson Burgoon. Those guys need it desperately. And, 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 and for them, if they, if they stay up on this leaderboard, it could come their way. All right, the... The uh, uh, the Open ended with literally the hottest guy in golf winning. And I said, um, Sean, on all my podcasts last week, the question with Francesco Molinari was, could he translate what he did in the States on Parkland golf to Lynx golf? And lo and behold, he goes bogey-free over the last 37 holes and 16 pars and two birdies on Sunday at the Open with wins at Carnoustie is insane. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's not going to be super flashy, but he's going to be super efficient. Every aspect of his golf game, more often than not, is going to be fine-tuned. We saw it at the BMW PGA. He turned around and won in the States. Uh, And then he turned around and just, I mean, plotted his way along Carnoustie over the weekend, didn't do anything super flashy. But, I mean, any putt he needed to make, he made it. Uh, the ball striking at times wasn't as good as we've come to expect and see from him, but it was still solid enough. Um, and he just got his way around that golf course and, in a weird sort of way, made it look kind of easy. Some of those up and downs were tough coming in. Yeah. He made big putts on top of him. So, I mean, it hats off to him. He's been playing a phenomenal brand of golf over the summer, and he earned the title. And, you know, at the end of the week, at the end of the season, you know, you want to look back on some of your biggest events and say, yeah, that guy went out there and earned it. And, uh, you know, not to say that in past seasons that you haven't seen it, but, you know, I, I always joke and say 2009 was the season where you looked at the majors and you went, oh, my gosh, what could have been? Tiger at the PGA, Tom Watson at the Open, Kenny Perry at the Masters, um, and Phil Mickelson and David Duvall made runs at the, uh, at the U.S. Open as well. Yeah. Uh, and this year, it just sort of feels like, you know, like coming into the Open Championship, it could have been him, it could have been Fleetwood, and everybody would have gone, yep, pretty much that's where it could have gone. Fleetwood was in those final groups as well. Um, it's it, it just, he, he played great, and he's been playing great. It's good to see him pick up that win. And uh, Brandon Harkins, by the way, is another one of those guys who has played along Tiger, uh, sorry, played alongside Tiger so far this year. Um you know, what's interesting about the Molinari story is, you know, he's been a Ryder Cupper. He's won multiple times around the world. He won the HSBC Champions in Shanghai uh, before that became an official uh, PGA Tour event. The dude is not new to the scene. Um, he's new, I think, to a lot of, of golf fans' scene because his game had kind of dipped and he gave tons of credit to his team uh, for helping him. But you got to wonder, Sean, and, and we talk so much about ceilings. I'm, I'm not so much interested in ceilings. I'm interested in, in, in the streakiness. Everybody said about Jason Duffner, the dude just got the most consistent swing. He's going to hit every fairway, hit every green. This is going to be the start of something into PGA, and he's still stuck with one major. 
And there's guys who we've looked at. Um, Louis Oosthuizen, stuck with one major, ball-striking machine. We've looked at these guys and said, they have the potential to be consistent week-in, week-out guys because they're so consistent. Do you think Molinari has turned a corner, or are we still in this thing, or uh, still in this wave, where you look like you're king for a week, and then you kind of fall off and don't rise up again for a while? Because the dude's got three wins in two seconds in his last five starts. You know, that's a good question. And recent history makes it seem as if he might be one of those guys to get stuck at one major. I mean, when you bring up Louis Oosthuizen, too, I mean, he, he finished second at the Masters. He, I feel like he's finished second now at every major championship. I think he has. Yeah, fact. yes. Just think about how close he's come to actually being a career Grand Slam winner. Um, and he only has that one, I, I believe that's his only PGA Tour win, too. Is uh, unless he's won another one, is that Open Championship back in 2010? I think you're right. Let me look it up. But I, I, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, he's kind of got that Angel Cabrera um, type thing where he hasn't really won anywhere. He's got, yeah, he's got 13 uh, professional wins. Eight have come on the European Tour. Um, one on the PGA Tour. That's the Open, and then seven on the Sunshine uh, uh, Tour, which is the South African Tour. Right. Um, and and he's 0-2 in playoffs on the PGA Tour. Both of those are majors, um, which is that uh, uh, 2012 Masters where he lost to Bubba on that crazy wedge, and then the 15 playoff that uh, Zach Johnson emerged from. Um, so, yeah, he's he's been close. <laughs> he's been close a lot of times and just has not come through. We're going to skip Tiger for a second um, because... We'll, we'll get back to him. Um, but there's some other guys who rose up on that leaderboard that I find fascinating. Rory McIlroy said to a bunch of reporters, at, I believe, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, either Quill Hollow or the players or somewhere around there that he was lost or had no confidence and he even shot a good score and said it didn't feel good. Um, there was somewhere around there where Rory was just a mess and... Lo and behold, he puts on a Sunday charge, and 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 in front of him was Justin Rose, who almost made an albatross and made a Sunday charge of his own. And on that side of the um, of 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 the ocean, he was basically the hottest player in the world coming in. Um, those two guys, I really wonder if they're turning a corner back for being serious contenders at the PJ, especially Rory, who, as I said, was basically lost for most of 2018. Yeah, you know, Rory, I've never seen somebody who seems more capable, but for some odd reason will go through those stretches where he seems unbeatable and then goes through these incredibly... Uh, incredibly dry, drought-like periods of his career. You know, I know he's been battling injuries left and right, but no, I, I can't recall the tournament, but you're absolutely right. He did have that, that press conference where he just sort of said that he was lost and that he, he was playing okay, but it didn't feel good and so on and so forth. And Justin Rose, you know, to me, Justin Rose comes and goes with the putter. Depending on how well Justin Rose putts is where he's going to finish on the leaderboard. Because he's typically so solid a ball striker, he finds more fairways than he misses. Um, great dude, too. Um, but, I mean, 
you can count on Justin Rose to surface on leaderboards at least several times a year. And it's getting to the point with Rory where it's like you know you can see more from him than that. That's, and I think that's where he's frustrated is that's all you're getting. You know, he, he surfaces at the Open Championship, but, you know, he, he's proven time and time again he can play well at Augusta. So if you believe in the horses for courses mentality, um, he shows up at Augusta, just won at Bay Hill, and it's the last tournament for him to complete the Grand Slam, and really didn't factor that much into the equation. He all. finished fifth, but it never really felt like he was one of the people who was in the running. I was Well, well, well first of all, sorry, um, let's back up. He finished fifth because he missed the putt. He missed the eagle putt in the second hole and wasn't the same person. And that's the thing about Rory. He is so hot and cold. You look at the run he had against Reed in that Ryder Cup match, which was the hottest eight holes anybody's ever seen, I think, of, of, of intense, fantastic golf. And... Um, and backed off. He went on that crazy run in, at 14-15 when he was clearly the best player in the world. This year, he does nothing at Bay Hill. He's in the running until Tiger uh, gets within one, and then he just, you know, blitzes those last four holes. He goes to um, he he goes to the matches. Uh, sorry, goes to goes to the matches with all his momentum. Has a chance on Sunday, survives the bad drive on one, goes to two, misses the short eagle, but never is the same since and never factors in the outcome. And then after the Masters, he goes uh, T16, missed cut, two, T8, missed cut, T12, T28, T2. He's just kind of been all over the map. Yeah. And, and when you have stretches like you did in 2012, 2014, 2015, I mean, you come to expect that out of yourself more consistently, and that's why, you know, especially now, I think people are starting to even develop more respect for what Tiger was able to do through that stretch of golf where he was just ridiculous, how he was able to sustain it. And he's even mentioned it, too, talking about not just guys like Rory, but, you know, Spieth and Justin Thomas and whatnot. Tiger didn't miss many cuts. No. I mean, there's these guys, they'll win two times in three weeks, and they'll miss two cuts in a row. Tiger's got eight. I, I I believe Tiger has eighteen missed cuts in his career, which is he's got worldwide. Tiger has twenty eight missed cuts in his career. This is worldwide. I'll look up the PGA Tour number. I think it's eighteen, and that includes that ninety eight Pebble Beach fiasco that he doesn't consider a missed cut. So it's actually one less than Tiger says. Uh, sorry, one less than. Than the official number, he has more. He has he has less missed cuts than some major player had in one year. I forget who it was, but it's it just it's astounding. No, I mean it's it, all those little things that that you look back and you say, "Wow, this was the guy that I watched back then." And then when you see flashes of it again this year, it's like, "Wow, look at that!" Um, but you know, that's, I guess, you know, when you're talking about Molinari earlier and you're talking about guys like Rory and Justin Rose, I think what we're going to have to come to understand and, I guess, in a way, expect is that these guys are going to be streaky as all get out. And there is no rhyme or reason to who's going to pop up on a leaderboard, how unstoppable they're going to look one week, and then how mediocre they're going to look the next. 
Um, it, it, it just and weird is all. It, there's no way to describe it other than it's just strange to see guys that just wind up on leaderboards, and then the next thing you know, they're missing cuts, contending in majors, and missing more cuts. Uh, which you know, I guess that's why Bronson Burgoon is stuck in both of our heads. I mean, granted, he didn't play in the Open Championship. Actually, he did. Sorry, he did play in the Open. Yes, he did. Uh, but I mean. You know, he's not playing in as many of these big events where, you know, if he's T4 in the Open Championship, that's going to get a lot more publicity. But, I mean, this is a guy that somehow, someway continues to reel off solid weeks. And uh, it's something that I think a lot of us are missing. And you're not getting it from guys like Rory and Jordan Spieth. I mean, no. Final, final group, final day of a major. And have you seen anything recently that would lead you to believe that was going to happen? I, it was, the speed thing was crazy. He shoots 76, and after Tiger's issues on 11 and 12, he was back in the lead, and he three putts on 14. He said after the round, he was actually content. He felt happy with the, where his, he felt happy where his game was. And, and Sean Davison, who's talking golf with us here on Teeing It Up, that made no sense to me. His words did not match his body language or the way his game looked. He looked fidgety. He didn't look like himself. He hasn't lo- looked like himself all year. Um, that was odd. I, I found what happened with Jordan Spieth this weekend odd. Yeah, I, I have no idea. You know, it, it, it almost felt like I was watching 2014 Jordan in a major. Yeah. You know, 2014 Masters Jordan where... Every little thing seemed to rattle him a little bit. Every every little thing seemed to seemed to bug him just a little bit. But then he'd come off the course and give a wonderfully thoughtful interview. And I mean, look, he's a great kid, and he too, like Rory, like Rose, like Francesco at times, is streaky, and he's too good and too promising a talent to have these periods where he's extremely dry, and then all of a sudden looks unstoppable. He will be fine. He'll figure it out. But it was odd, you know. And, and to see somebody shoot that score on the final round of a major as the defending champion with a chance to win yet another major, uh, their fourth, it, it just felt kind of odd to hear that from him. But I guess if you consider how locked he's been at times this year just to be in that position and to that far into the round, even though he wasn't playing as well as he would have liked, to still have had a chance, I guess, was his attempt to look at the glass half full. But, yeah, it, it was kind of odd. Uh, to me, you know, I was impressed by Xander Schauffele. Again, he, he takes another step forward, and he's a guy that when we talk about the Ryder Cup, I think he's checking in at number 10 in the Ryder Cup points list behind Bryce DeChambeau. Yeah. Bill Mickelson's now outside the top eight. Of course, Tiger is playing well. I think he's at 20. I mean, there's going to be some interesting decisions and some conversations that are going to have to be had because you've got four or five guys there with Phil, Tiger, Bryson, Xander, and, um, gosh, there's somebody else. Oh, Kevin Kisner. Yes. All outside the top eight, and there's only going to be four spots open for him. And Tim um, Rosenfort says Tiger's a lock. This, this, that is going to be fascinating. There's going to be some really interesting decisions to make. I want to talk Kisner and Shoffley. Um, I I messed up. I'll fess up. I'll, I messed up. I thought Shoffley was a fluke. I thought his Greenbrier win was nice. 
He lucked into the, or not lucked in, but but the Tour Championship was just riding momentum, and I thought he wouldn't be anything. And continually, he has put himself up there this year, and he put himself up there in a major, and he played fine. He played, he really didn't mess up except for a couple of holes. He had a baby issue on 16 um, with a crying child, but... I mean, look, he played, uh, sorry, 17, he played stout golf. And Kevin Kisner, um, with, with that attitude and that game, when he's on, the dude's going to keep on contending in these things. And just like when he eventually got a win, you know, kept, 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 sorry, kept knocking on the door and got the win, I think the same thing happened for Kiz in, in a major. I'm not sure Shoffley will win a major, but. The way those two guys performed and hung in there through all the pressure was really admirable in in, in my mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, at this point in time, if Brooks Kepke ever decides he's not going to win a U.S. Open, the, the way Shockley played the last two U.S. Opens, that might be the one he wins. Um, but to your point about Kisner, he's got a Jason Duffner in the majors kind of vibe, doesn't he? Yeah. He's starting to surface on the, in, in these things more often doesn't seem to have any glaring weaknesses in his game. Uh, whenever he's cutting the lights out is when you see him up there on the top of the leaderboard. Now, this is twice in the last two seasons that we've seen him in one of the last couple of groups on Sunday in a major going back to last year at Quail Hollow. I mean, he's starting to figure it out. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he was a sponsor's invite at Bay Hill and got in at the last second and shot like an opening round 67. People were talking about, oh, what a nice story. This guy got a sponsor's invite. He made the most of it. What a great opening round. Oh, my gosh. He became a consistent high finisher. See, Bronson Burgoon, the Joel Damon, uh, picked up a win, figured out how to win out there. Now he's contending in majors. And you have the idea and you have the feeling that at some point in time, Kiz is going to figure it out. He's going to figure out some way to win a major. I mean, he played great in-team competition at the President's Cup, and that's going to be a big reason why I think, aside from his recent fine play, he's going to be a big part of the conversation if he doesn't get inside the top eight for the Ryder Cup. Uh, It'll be an intriguing conversation, and I think Kiz is definitely going to be one to watch, not just for that, but also at the PGA. I absolutely agree. We're talking with Sean Davidson here on PGA. uh, This is not PGA Tour Radio. I wish it was PGA Tour Radio. (laughs) <laughs> I'm teeing it up. Uh, Tiger. Um, you know, Alan Shipnuck of uh, Golf Magazine talked about it um, in his piece, and, and a lot of people have too. Um, you know, is this the start of something, or is this the sign of something? Um, and this is now three times this year, or... Uh, Eh, four maybe. Depends how you look at it. We're, we're tight. I mean, um, look, Bay Hill, he was within a shot. Hit it OB. Um, you know, uh, made a run at the players and, and went the wrong way um, at the end of that round. And this time he had the lead. He had a one-shot lead. It was his. It was Soul on Sunday. I, it was my birthday. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take all the... The, the 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 tension and the birthday texts and the golf texts and tweets I had to put it all aside because life is fleeting um, life is weird golf life is weird he knows it um, he lived it 
And you don't know how many chances you'll get. For me, I think this is the start of something. For me, the fact that he played the way he did on the front, um, the the par saves on eight and nine, the birdies early on, the the shot out of ten, uh, the shot out, out of the bunker on ten was vintage. Is it a shame he didn't get it done? Sure. But for me, I don't take this as a negative. I take this as building towards a positive. Um, there are others, though, who, who felt that Tiger let an opportunity slip. Where do you fall on that um, spectrum? I'm disappointed that he didn't get the job done. But boy, didn't it feel good to see his name on top of the leaderboard on Sunday in a major, even if it was for about 15 minutes. I mean, to me, when you go back, gosh, what, 18 months, and he's not sure if he can play again, to where he's at now, I mean, clearly have to be the comeback player here on the PGA Tour. Stricker won it twice in a row. Tiger clearly has to be your comeback player of the year this year. I mean, it, it, it's absurd. I believe he's 71 in the world now. He started the year somewhere in the 700s or 800s, I think it was. Uh, or at least yeah. he playing this tournament in the Bahamas. He was in the 400s. But, I, I mean, this is the kind of year he's had when you consider where he started and all the question marks. Now, I remember tuning into the broadcast of, you know, we can't set the expectations too high, so on and so forth. Played pretty well at Torrey Pines. Not great. I mean, great Tiger at Torrey wins. He's won there eight times. Then he won a U.S. Open there. Um, you know, but he played well enough where you were interested. I was fortunate enough to be at Bay Hill and to be at Valspar and to be at the TPC. And to sort of see it and feel it, the vibe, the energy, the buzz, and you can see Tiger feeling. And he's still figuring it out. I mean, it's been multiple years since he's played this consistently on tour. And frankly, he rarely contended when he was trying to come back too early from injury. I mean, it's been several years since he's won. I believe, what, five? It was 2013 was the last time he won on tour. Um, and I think, yeah, it was 2013 because the storyline had been since 2013 for him and Phil until Phil won at Mexico. And then he joked about Tiger might very well win at Tampa. And then Tiger nearly did very well win at Tampa. But, you know, the thing that bothered me watching Tiger for the longest time was you feel like you'd see that run for about 12, 13, 14 holes and then somewhere around 13 or 14 or 14 or 15, things would just go awry. He'd par that par five that, you know, back in 08, he would have birdied. And it would have gone 800 through 14 instead of staying at 700 through 14. Then he followed that up by missing the fairway at 15 and a bogey. And now he's back down to 600, where he might have still been 800. Um, and just the little things where the number that he posted could have been two, three shots lower. And Tiger, the competitor, knew that. To me, Saturday, when things started going awry, he found a way to par 18 at Carnoustie and post that 66, was the first time that I said, wow, all right, that's the kind of finish that he can take some momentum into Sunday with. Went through there, got to the back nine, solo lead, a couple of, I don't want to say horrific iron shots. I mean, he hit it off the tee in places that you, you can't hit it. And then you know, that's sort of the nature of the beast. You don't know what's going to happen coming out of that stuff about as high as your waist. Um, it, it just didn't work out for him. But to me, to have a guy that 18 months ago didn't know if he was going to play again, to see his name on the leaderboard in a major again, and to think 
even for just 15 minutes, that he was actually going to win number 15 was encouraging. And it has to be encouraging for him. And Tiger, the competitor, who has wanted more than anything else, his kids to see him in person do what he does best, to have his kids out there and to have them cheering him on and seeing dad at work nearly get the job done, I think it's only going to fuel the fire even more. And I think what we're going to see at the PGA is another run from Tiger. I don't know where it's going to go because, frankly, you know, it it might be a little harsh. Frankly, he hasn't closed one out this year, so I don't know that he would close one out of the PGA. But I think every step he takes, at least so far, is a step in the right direction. And I would not be surprised in a couple weeks' time to see him on the leaderboard at the PGA. And and the best thing, I think, about that run-up to the PGA is that we've got one more year at the Bridgestone. And just like Torrey Pines, where we had a lot more question marks with Tiger, the Bridgestone and Firestone are, is a venue and a tournament that he has owned in the past. If Tiger plays as well as he can in Akron, I mean, not that the hype train needs any more fuel, but watch out. Um, and, and that's all I've got to say about it. I think, like you said, it's the beginning of something, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Hey, he's made the field at WGCs again. We don't have to wonder about when we're going to see him again with these WGC tournaments. He's qualified based on his world ranking. And, and that's encouraging. And seeing him on major championship leaderboards is encouraging. And I feel like we keep seeing small steps in the right direction. And just like a guy like a Bronson Burgoon trying to figure out how to win for the first time on tour, he's trying to figure out how to win for the first time in a while. And I think sooner or later he's going to figure it out. And for a guy that's won as much as he has, once he figures it out, he could be dangerous. And, and, let, and let's finish with this circling back to Francesco. The point that I made um, is that he was at 7-under. It's Carnoustie. It's windy. You're going to make bogeys. This notion that Tiger was at 7-under and was going to par him, play it even or better the rest of the way is absurd. Even, you know, yes, he played the wrong kind of shot on, uh, uh, sorry, yes, he played the wrong kind of shot on 11. Yes, he messed up the 12th hole by hitting it in the wrong place. But did you really expect him to win, uh, sorry, to to play the last eight holes at Carnoustie at even or better? Really? I mean, that argument to me is absurd because at that point, you know, look, if Francesco goes deep and beats Tiger, so be it. I think people would be looking at this differently. But the point that I'm trying, you know, you know, I, I don't know, disagrees him, but it's, you know, trying. Excuse me. Um, I, I just don't think that you that that there was nowhere that y- you could play those last. Eight holes, you know, uh, basically even or or under par. And well, to me, you know, again, the casual golf fan associates going out there and taking a title away from somebody. Yeah. Uh, as somebody going out there, you know, Stuart Appleby at the Greenbrier when Overton went out there with the lead in the final round, shot sixty-seven. Appleby hung a 59 on him and beat him by one. Uh, it's to, to the casual golf fan or the casual sports fan who tunes in, you know, they think Tiger choked. They think, you know, he, he choked it away. It was all his. First of he all, didn't. one shot lead is not all anybody's, especially with eight holes left 
And especially with people all over the golf course at different holes at different times in their rounds. Exactly. And second of all, that was a golf course where, like you mentioned, you know, especially when the wind is up as it was on Sunday, pars at a premium. And, you know, he had been scratching out par after par after par. I mean, bogeys happen. And for Francesco to make his way around that golf course for two days and one hole, without a bogey on the card, is as much going out there and earning a trophy and taking it away from somebody else who also did an admirable job that week. By the way, Tiger didn't even finish second. He missed the putt at 18 and not even finish second. Yeah. But still, did an admirable job to go out there and, you know, and only, and I use the word only because that's what the casual sports fan would think, just stay bogey-free at Carnegie, which... You know, I think Sergio Garcia would love that back in 07. <laughs> there were guys that were in 07 with regularity, doubling, tripling, 18 alone. Um, it's a tough course, especially when the wind is up. And it was up on Sunday. And Francesco played flawless. And that 200-par round, for those of us who know this game and know it well, could be every bit the equivalent of a Sunday 65 to win a major. Yeah. It really was something special, and um, unfortunately, with no shot link, they can't do a lot of the strokes gain comparisons. But uh, it it definitely was some of the best in the field. That's for sure. Now, there's a lot of guys that would have loved to have had a bogey-free 200 round on Sunday, and as Speed put it himself, you know, he he was kicking himself. I mean, he was oddly satisfied, but he said, "I have to kick myself because." If you would have told me that at the beginning of the day, at 9-under, all I would have had to do is shoot even par today to win another Open, I would have liked my chance. It did, did not turn out that way. He did not get his third, uh, his um, fourth major, excuse me, and will now go to the PGA at Belle Reve, um, seeking the career Grand Slam. He is Sean Davison. Uh, we will talk to you after the 100th PGA at Bell Reve. Something tells me that one way or another we could be talking about something historic. Um, but even if it's not, always a pleasure looking forward to it. We are still due, and I hate to say it, but we are still due for that like Andrew Putnam major win. We have not had <laughs> that fluky major win in a while. And um, I, I hate to say it, but we are due for like a Kevin Chapley just not, you know, great round, great player, solid, but just kind of out of nowhere. I mean, Chapel obviously had a great week, but, but you know, just this, you know, a random, a Bronson Bragoon type guy <laughs> to creep up there. So we'll see what happens what? as we go on. If you want a dark horse from me, yes. because he to find his way on leaderboards for at least the first couple of rounds of regularity. Dark Horse pick Charlie Hoffman wins PGA. Charlie Hoffman just knows how to own Thursdays and Fridays. Now that gambling's legal in America, if you can place Thursday, Friday bets, just keep doing Charlie Hoffman. You'll get a lot of money. Hey, sounds good to me. Sean, thanks as always. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Have a good night.